Good morning again, and welcome to Mount Calvary Church. My name is Matt Watson, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're grateful that we can worship together, and we can pray for Haiti, and we can take communion together, that we can worship. What a, what a beautiful song about the power of the cross to cover us, the blood applied to us. He was in our tomb so that we don't have to. And so we're grateful that we can come together that we can worship together, that we can partake in the meal together, and that we can now sit under God's word together. And so that's our prayer that this morning. If you're new, we're glad that you're here. We want you to be a part of our body. And if you have questions, you can fill out a connection card in the seat in front of you. If you have something that we can be praying for our elders and our staff, we'd love to be praying for you. Uh, but take that connection card and we'd love to get to know you. This week we had a birthday in our house, uh, little, little Jack, our sweet, I keep calling him my baby, our sweet youngest turned six, and so he's so, such a good little boy, he likes to snuggle, uh, I guess that's embarrassing to share that, but he's only six, but we celebrated Jack this week, and it was fun, he got to pick the meal for dinner, Caroline, our oldest, baked him a caramel bunt cake. Uh, We had dinner. He chose hot dogs. Uh, He chose French toast for breakfast. He had the whole, all meals picked out for the whole day. Um, And one of our traditions at a birthday dinner is that we go around and we share something that we love about the person whose birthday it was. It was just fun to blow out the candles and to spend the time together as a family. And for us, this kind of wraps up three months, three consecutive months of birthdays. And so we now have, as of August, Truman, our middle son, our strong, athletic, funny uh, middle son is nine. Uh, Caroline, as of September, she's now an 11-year-old, an almost middle schooler, beautiful, gracious, kind, sweet Caroline. And we we love our kids so much. And birthdays, you kind of go through these birthday months and it kind of flashes in front of your eyes like our kids are growing up. You know, we were cleaning our, our bedroom, and on our dresser was a photo that we had been intending on framing of our kids, and it's just sat there. And now we looked at it this weekend, and it's like all of a sudden, it's like, this is an old photo. Like, we can't frame it now. This is too long ago. And it's just fun to see your kids grow up, not just physically and emotionally, but to grow up in their walks with Jesus in their own little ways, in their own little personalities. Uh, We had the parent-teacher conference here at school this week, and Ashley was able to go and sit in, and she was telling me about it. And it's just such a joy to hear how your kids are doing. And uh, Truman got a report from one of his teachers uh, that that said he is a leader, that he's encouraging on the soccer field. They play soccer every day, and that he's vocal, and he's a leader, and he's kind, and he is encouraging. And as Ashley was telling me that, I shouted, like, that's my son. I was so proud of my boy and just seeing how they grow. And we all, if you have kids, you know, you're smiling. Like, we see our kids grow up. It's a beautiful thing. And it's really a great picture, according to the Bible and to Jesus. It's a growth, just like a kid It's a picture of of what it's like to live as a disciple of Jesus, that when we become a disciple, that's not the end point, that just like our kids grow in so many ways over the years, 
The disciple is called to grow in their faith, in their patience, and in their kindness, and in their discipline, and in their love, and in in their generosity. And in all these ways, we grow as a disciple of Jesus, that we're just not left to ourselves. One of, we, one of the comments that we heard from somebody that we used to live near as he was looking at a picture of our kids was a comment that maybe you've heard before, but it was, um, he said, jokingly, well, what are your kids eating up there in Lancaster County? Because he was saying, your kids are growing. They are so big and tall, and they look so much older. And I told him, I said, it's the whoopie pies. I promise you it's the whoopie pie. But as I was just thinking about that fun question about what our kids are eating, I just thought to myself, what, what if that was the question that was asked of Mount Calvary Church in this community that as we meet people and interact with people outside of these walls, if, if the question that was asked of our community to us is what is happening up there on top of the hill at Mount Calvary Church? I mean, what are these, these people are everywhere. They love and they give and they serve and they care and they care for one another. Like what's happening as they see the growth? And I'm not talking about number growth. I'm talking about depth growth, the the growth of the disciple as we grow in following Jesus, that our community would see it and say, what's happening? I want to be a part of that kind of community. And we would answer that as a church, that we're fully committed that for whoever walks through these doors that we want to teach and we want to explain what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus, to be his believer. But then what does it mean to grow wherever you are? And that if that question was asked, we would say 2 Corinthians 3.18, this pulses through our veins as a church, that this is what we are fully focused on helping each other grow in, that we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That this is what we are all about, helping, teaching, guiding everyone that comes in this room how they might grow one degree at a time. And this is an interesting passage. I mean, all of us already have unveiled faces, Like, that's not something we work towards. It's not something we grow towards as a disciple. That's your current position. Right now, you have an unveiled face before the glory of the Lord. Yet, there's this process of transformation. And it's a a slow and it's a steady one. It's one degree at a time. And as a church, what... How do we explain this? We are committed to helping each other see and behold the glory of the Lord. Not be unveiled to it, we are, but to be, to be beholding, beholders of this glory. And so as a church, we've said, how can we help each other be transformed one degree at a time? And we've identified these different habits that we've been talking about. You've come and you've become a disciple And now we want to help you one degree at a time. Behold the glory of the Lord. And on this left-hand column, we say it every week, these are what we call private habits. These are things that we think that if you practice in your life and you grow in your life, these habits that 
when you're by yourself at your dinner table before the sun comes up, studying his word and praying that you will begin to grow one degree at a time. But that following Jesus is not just something done privately in your home. The Bible gives a completely different idea of this growth as a disciple. On the right-hand column are these habits that we say you have to, these are habits that are done corporately together, that you weren't meant to follow Jesus alone, that you weren't meant to follow Jesus privately, but there's a communal corporate aspect of it. And last week we talked about confessing sin. That's both private, something you do in your home as you pray continually, you bring your sin into the light, acknowledging the power of the cross, but it's also something you do corporately. That you share about your sin to those that you offend and sin against. That you bring your sin into the light to your brothers and sisters. And so we have grow groups that want to help you. We want to help you, give you an opportunity to grow in, in the ability and the knowledge of your own sin so that we would grow one degree at a time. And so this morning, as we think about Again, how might God want me to grow one degree at a time? Like, what's the degree? And so this morning, we're looking at the cor- one of the corporate habits on the right-hand column, the habit of worshiping together as the local church. Worshiping together as the local church. This room right here. The importance of being a part of this room, of these people connected in the community of worshiping together on Sunday mornings under God's word and through his worship. And so to that end, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll start to look at this habit. Father, we're so thankful that we can come into this room and together sit next to each other, get to know one another, that we can share a meal together, the communion meal, that we can sing out together about your blood being applied to us, together, the church. God, it is so encouraging to be here. So God, we, we thank you for that. What a gift this is. And God, now we pray as we think about how we might continue to grow as followers and disciples of you. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts. We are quick We are quick to make excuses. We're quick to walk away. We're quick to downplay. God, I pray that through your word this morning, you would encourage us. You'd convict us. You'd lead us. You'd inform us that we might behold your glory. Because that's the best thing. That's the greatest thing in all of life. It's you and your greatness and your splendor and your majesty. So help us, God. Teach us this morning. We need your help. We're stressed and we're overwhelmed and we're busy and we're tired, all these things, God. But but through your spirit, we ask that you'd help us to hear from you today. It's in the name of your son, we pray. Amen. So here's our question this morning. Just how important is the local church? I mean, how important is it really that we meet together on a weekly basis in this room to worship and to sit under God's word. Is it really that important? Like, is it really, is it so important that it makes one of the habits? And if you look at the statistics, just kind of broadly speaking, 
the church today or the, the, the believer would today would say it's really not that important. Church attendance has declined. Two out of three, Lifeway did a poll a couple years ago, two out of three would say, I don't need the church to grow. Two out of three would say, I can worship with my family, and that's suitable for my walk with Jesus. And so it's no surprise that with those statistics that church attendance in general has declined. I mean, is it really that important? I mean, can't we just watch it online? That's convenient and nice. Roll out of bed, it's there. I mean, do we really have to get up this morning? Can't we have a morning to sleep in? I mean, what if I have other things going on? Sports or activities or vacation or we're not feeling good, we're traveling or whatever it is. Like, is it really that important? Like, how vital should it be for us as followers of Jesus? Sometimes I'll hear people as they talk about church, especially when they're kind of making an argument of why it's really not that important to be in this room, they'll say something like this, um, that the church isn't a building. I'm sure you've heard it. The church isn't a building, it's a people. It's, it's a group of people, and you don't have to go to church to be the church. Okay, so if you take that idea to Scripture, okay, is that true? Okay, there is, there is language in the New Testament about what's called the universal church, called the invisible church, the church at large, individuals who've put their faith in Christ, who are followers and disciples of Jesus, and the word church is used to describe all believers all over the world in this moment. Okay, but that's not always the case of the usage of the word church. I think in your notes and in your insert. Of the 114 times we see the primary word for church, it's the word ecclesia, at least 90 of those refer to specific local gatherings of Christians. So there is such thing as a universal, invisible church at large, not a building, but 90 out of 114 times you see the word church in the New Testament. It is talking about a specific location, the church in Corinth, the church that met in homes, the church, the church in Ephesus, the church in Galatia. You have greetings to churches, instructions to churches. The New Testament was written letters to churches. And if you kind of think through the language of the church in the New Testament, your, your conclusion, it has to be that this was, a, this was a normal part of being a follower of Jesus, that it was an assumed part of being a follower of Jesus. There's no example in all of the New Testament letters of someone following Jesus and not being connected to a local, physical church. It came with the territory. That if you're following Jesus, yes, you're part of the universal church, but your, your participation in the universal church isn't as an individual, but it is, it is a part of the local church altogether. Local churches all together make up the universal church. And so you, would, you could say that being a part of the local church was assumed to be a follower of Jesus. And so for us, the question is, again, how important the New Testament talks about the church. How important then is it 
to be a part? What's the value of the church? Now, if you have a diamond ring on and I were to ask you that question, what's the value of your ring? How important is, your, is the ring that you wear? To determine the answer to that question, we would take your ring and we'd go to a jeweler and a jeweler would get out his magnifying glass, maybe not a magnet, I don't know what he would get out. He'd get out something to look at it. And there's four questions that he would take a look for your diamond. He would, it's called the four C's of finding out how expensive this diamond's about to cost you, men. First, they'd say, what's the color of the diamond? They'd take a look. The, the less color, the higher the value. They'd say, what's the clarity of the diamond? The, the least amount of blemishes in the diamond, the more value it is, the more value it has. What's the cut of the diamond? And then what is the carat of the diamond? How much does it weigh? The heavier, the more valuable. And so they ask these four questions. They study the diamond. And when they get the answers to these four questions, they can determine how important and how valuable that particular diamond is. And so for us this morning, I'm going to look at four questions. Unfortunately, they're not C's. I, that would be really good. Four questions as we look, look to answer God, what does your word teach us about the value of the local body of Christ, the local church? What's the purpose of the church? What's the price of the church? Who's the face of the church? What's the function of the church? And as we kind of answer those questions, God's word will hopefully reveal to us the, the necessity of the church. And so we want to spend just a few minutes on the first three questions and then We'll spend a, more of our time there in the last one. So first, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of the local church? Well, there's a lot in Scripture, but I want to look at just one. Ephesians 3.10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. I remember teaching on this verse years ago here, Ephesians, and just, just being blown away by the weight of this verse. One more time. So that through the church, this church, Mount Calvary Church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. I mean, what a lofty, heavy purpose for the church. Paul's writing to a church of Jews and Gentiles. Okay, so there's ethnic issues going on between Jew and Gentile. There are cultural issues between Jew and Gentile. And he says, he's saying, you better figure this out because how you work together as the church speaks to, it shouts to the wisdom of God. And so what's our purpose, Mount Calvary Church in Elizabethtown? Our purpose is that by our love for one another, in our unity for one another, as we serve one another, the angels above, looking down upon us, look at what we're doing and say, what a wise God we worship. And for me, the question was, I mean, is that our testimony, Mount Calvary Church? Like, are the angels looking down upon what we're doing as a ministry and saying, 
Wow, the beauty and the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God that he would take this group of people to do his work on this earth today and now. I mean, what a purpose for us, though. And just just to say it again, it's through the church, the church, the local church. How important is the church? What's the price for the church? How much did it cost? Acts 20, 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So Paul is writing to the elders in Ephesus. And he's he's teaching them, he's reminding them of what's important as an elder, as a pastor of the church. Care for the church of God. Well, that's telling us who is the face of the church, but how did it become the church of God? Which he obtained with his own blood. What's the price for Jesus to be the owner of the church, for God to be the face of the church? What's the cost? It was the very life of Jesus. Jesus gave his blood so that he can have ownership of the local church in Ephesus and of Mount Calvary Church. Okay, that would seem to communicate if it cost Jesus his life, that would seem to communicate that this is so crucial to what Jesus wants to do on this earth. Because it cost him everything. It cost him his life. And who's the face? Acts 9.5. Saul on the road to Damascus, being stopped and confronted by Jesus. He said, who are you, Lord? And He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Well, Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus physically, literally. Who was was Saul persecuting? He was going around persecuting the churches, the local churches, the individual believers. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, when you touch my church, you touch me. You are persecuting me. Jesus is the head representative, the face of of the church. How important is the local church? Consider the purpose, consider the price, consider the face. The local church, according to those three questions, seems to be vital. But the last question that we want to look at, what's the function? Like, What does the church do for us, for you, and for me today? Like, what is it supposed to do, and what makes that important? And I'm going to look through just briefly four things that I think the church is, is functioning, should be functioning for you in your life, that you desperately need, that without the church, you're not going to get it. Okay, the first function there is the, the local church shapes you. Other words that I have written down here, the local church molds you. The local church pounds you. That's, that's nice, isn't it? Pounds you in love. It, it mold you to be something that you're not. I mean, it's just, it's really interesting to look at what Jesus says about the church in the Gospels, because he doesn't say a lot, because the church wasn't born until Acts 1, but Jesus still does bring up the church a couple of times. When Peter makes his confession about who Jesus is, the church is born. Okay, but then a little bit later, Jesus talks about the shaping nature of the church in a passage that's, that's used to talk about church discipline. That's a fun topic. Matthew 18, 15 through 17, look at what Jesus says. 
If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, if a brother or sister is wandering into sin or is caught into sin or is ignorant of their sin and doesn't care and unrepentant of their sin, the church is to confront the person. And this is what we talked about last week. This is all of these things work together. Your sin is a big deal. And so the church is to shape you by calling you out in your sin. And if you don't think it's a big deal, what is, this is the, one of the two things that Jesus says about the church. I mean, that's, that's just like startling almost. That the church is to shape you in your understanding and your recognition of your sin. And elders, we've got to ask, is this, is this what we're doing? Like, are we confronting sin? It's, it's one of two things Jesus says about the church. And then, so elders, we've got to ask, I mean, are, are we functioning in a shaping manner by confronting sin? Sin that's unrepented of? lovingly, graciously, but then you've got to ask, I mean, is this what I've been looking for in church? A place to shape me? I mean, and it's just not what we look for in church. I, I guarantee, I, I just know, we don't, look, we don't church hop looking for church discipline policies. We look for the kind of coffee we're going to get. And we look for the kids' ministry that's going to give our kids the most. I mean, how long is that pastor going to talk? Is it going to be boring? Is it going to be long? Like, when can we get out? Like, we church shop because church isn't about being shaped anymore. It's not about being, being molded to grow, to be a follower of Jesus. Church is about being entertained and sitting there. It's like, what are you going to give me today? Like, I'm in here for an hour. Like, what are you going to give me? And we take our consumerism and we bring it into the walls of the church and say, it's me, 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 gimme, 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 give me something good, entertain me, you better, it better be good. To, like, that's what we bring to church, and it's just, it's just not what Jesus has in mind. Jesus is the opposite. He's saying, actually, you want to welcome someone? Let's start talking about sin. Let's confront sin today. Jesus isn't creating a church that's Warm and fuzzy, it makes you feel good. You slip in, you slip out, and it's no big deal. That's not the church that Jesus talks about. And it's not just church discipline that the church shapes you. The most important quality of the church is the preaching of God's word. How, how, does, how does the local church shape you? How should it shape you? I'll say it like that. How should it shape you? It's not me. It's not me at all. It's the power of this book. And remember the backpack Remember the sword that was on the backpack? Like this word, this book is a sword that confronts and encourages. This is the, this is the book that, that shapes us. And so it is the most important quality of the church that they are teaching and preaching this book corporately all together that we can all sit here and be, we can be convicted over this. And then we go to our community groups, and we'll talk about that next week. But as we continue to be shaped by this book, we can go to, in community and say, wow, 
yeah, God's word really, it impacted me this week. It, it, it encouraged me this way. It convicted me in this way because this, this is the shaping power of the local church through the work of the Spirit. And it's not just through church discipline and confronting sin. It's not just through the teaching of the word. It's also through relationships. The local church is the hub. It is the the place where you can have relationships that confront one another and, and encourage and exhort one another. Look at Hebrews 3 real quick. Take care, brothers, lest there be in in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of your sin. The church is where we find these types of relationships. What's the assumption of this passage in Hebrews 3? The assumption is that you have sin that fools you, deceives you, that you have besetting sin, sin that is at your root that you can't even see. Now, that, that's like alarming, that you have sin, flaws that you don't even know about, yet God has structured relationships in the church whereby you can call the people around you brothers and sisters. And what do they do? They confront you. They inform you. They talk to you about your sin daily. Daily relationships that form here that happen every day that we may be freed to walk in the newness of life of Christ. This is where the church shapes us in relationships, in the teaching, in the leadership, in the the confronting of sin, Jesus talks about the church in this way. And so that's one of the functions of the church. Let's go to the second. The local church stirs you or encourages you. Psalm 73 kind of gives us a picture of how, what's the function of the church? We need encouragement, church. Like you're going to go into the workforce tomorrow. You're going to go to school tomorrow. You're going to be at home with your kids tomorrow. You're going to be whatever you do tomorrow. Like, I guarantee you there's opportunity for discouragement tomorrow. Guarantee you, whatever you do. And the Psalm 73 gives us a great example of the psalmist who says, I am overwhelmed with discouragement because of the evil all around me. Okay, everyone could say that. Like, that's like, we could all say that. But what does the psalmist do? He processes his discouragement, then he goes to the sanctuary, verse 16 and 17. When I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Where was the psalmist's encouragement? In a world that was evil and overcoming him and and completely overwhelming, it was in the worship of the sanctuary, the, the teaching of his word. And I remember as a young believer, I was, saved in, I was saved in ninth grade, found a church, got baptized, starting to figure things out. And then my parents, I remember, I remember the day, I got home and they were sitting on the sofa. I'm like, this is not good. They said, we're moving to Richmond, Virginia, two and a half hours away. The school you grew up in, the church you know, the team you're on, every, it's all, it's, it, that's a thing of the past, and you have, a new, you have a new school. And I remember getting to Richmond, 
starting in a new school, over 2,000 people, much bigger than where I came from in Salem, Virginia. And I was so discouraged. We didn't have a church. The church we went to, people were mean. I was in youth group. You know, you, it's hard to make friendships. And I was discouraged. And I called my pastor from, that led me to Christ. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to church anymore. I don't like the church. I can get, I leave more discouraged than I do encouraged. Wouldn't it be better for me just to stay home? I remember asking him that. Like baiting him, like it must be better. It must not be that big of a deal. He said, Matt, you gotta go to church. And then I met a believer in my school. One out of the 2,000, I met him. We played soccer together. And listen, my walk with Jesus completely changed. He brought me to his church. I went from being discouraged and alone to together with friends in a church where I could come and be encouraged. And it was like fuel in my tank. Going to church is like fuel. It gives you what you need to get through the week so that you can walk as, with Jesus as his disciple. The local church encourages you. There's a passage, Hebrews 10, 23, and 24. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another. Stirring is encouragement. Look at what he says. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, as you see the day drawing near. Like we need to be together so that we can stir each other up and encourage each other because without it, you will fail. You will be discouraged. You will struggle. But it is the weekly gathering of God's people where we can be encouraged. Thirdly, the local church stretches you. Pastor Ray is really going to talk about this next week as we think about community. And we've been saying it, but say it one more time in a little bit of a different way. You, you can't follow Jesus outside of relationships and community. The one another statements of the New Testament, I mean, they, they just pop off the page if you start looking at all the one another statements. You're to care for one another, love one another, host one another, greet one another, grieve with one another, teach one another, admonish one another, give to one another, instruct one another, forgive one another. It goes on. All these one another's, and it's like you need to be stretched in community learning how to do these things, or you can't be a true, deep follower of Jesus if you're not doing it with one another. And Pastor Ray will talk more about this next week. But lastly is this, the local church reminds you, reminds you. It's what we've done this morning. I mean, this, this is a great place to come to remember. What did we remember this morning? We, we took a meal together, the breaking of, the breaking of bread and communion, and we remember the past. And we together remember where we came from. And that's what Jesus says, that you do this in remembrance of me together. That we are together. In examining our lives, we're together. That what happens when you examine your life? You see your sin, but that together we proclaim the Lord's death for us together. And we're not just reminded of who we are in the past, of what Jesus did for us in the past, but what does the local church do? It reminds you of the future. 
right? That a day is coming when we will worship in a similar way that we've done this morning. That there's going to be a day that we gather around the throne with all tribes and all nations and all tongues of all believed of all time, and we are going to sing about the worth of Jesus Christ. And so what does the gathering of the church do? It gives us just a taste, a very, very small hint of what it's going to be like in the future. And not that it's completely, perfectly accurate, but that it is an encouragement. It's a reminder that this is where we're going. This is where we've come from. This is where we're going. And so for us this morning, wherever, wherever you are, I, the, the hope is, the hope is, is that you would see that Jesus, through the Father, has designed the local church as his vehicle to do work in your life and to do work in this community. It's the design. And that it can happen individually in different ways and through little studies or groups, but like it is the local church, the ordinances of the church, the ministry of the church, the community of the family of the church. It is through the church that he has chosen and designed his message and his gospel to go forth. And we want you to be a part of the church. If you want to be a part of this church, we welcome you in this church. If you want to be a member and and part of another church, that is fine. We bless you and we say, go, be a part of it. Don't just sit on the outskirts. Sit and see and soak it up and go home and kind of sneak in and sneak out. Like that's, it's just not, it's just not the picture of, of the church, the way that the church is supposed to be. And so for you, you, to think through this as we close. Am I receiving the benefits of the function of the church? Those relationships, the teaching of God's word and the conviction of my sin, the encouragement, am I being encouraged? Am I so committed and connected to this church that I'm encouraged relationally through the public teaching and the worship of God? And if you're not, like let's say you don't have relationships, you're missing the best part of the church. One of the best parts, I better say it that way. You're missing one of the best parts of the church. To have people to carry your burdens with you, to cry with you, to help you, to call you, to know you. And so wherever you are, we encourage you to think through your commitment to the church. We would love for you to settle in and be a part of our family here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you don't leave us to live this life out alone, but you have given us the gift of the local church. And it is a gift, God, to have these friendships, brothers and sisters, all different, all different qualities, preferences, but that we are bound together by your blood. So God, I pray that you would make us a unified strong church that the the, the community here in E-Town and Mount Joy and Hershey and all around us would see this, these relationships and this ministry and say, I want to be a part of that. God, I pray for the people here this morning, God, that they would consider what degree, what step they might take in thinking through being devoted and committed to the local church. God, we ask that you do your work. We love you. We worship you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.